Electronic music had its origins back in the 1940s, but it really came to the forefront with the introduction of the Moog synths back in the 1970s. But the 90s opened up a whole new sound with the advent of electronic dance music. And the antidote is here with a veteran of that sound, Andy Hunter from the UK. Andy, thanks for coming on board. Hi, no problem. It's a pleasure. Calling you a veteran, Andy, am I making you sound old? Uh, you are, but uh, yeah, I, I've just turned a veteran, I think. I do a lot of running, and now I've just turned 40, so whenever I go into a race now, I shall be known as a veteran. Ooh, that's great. In the <laughs> veterans class. <laughs> yeah, I'm a V. I get a V next to my name. Well, talk about your running. What's that all about? Uh, well, I got into running, oh, I don't know, five years ago, Um just to try and lose some weight from basically working in the studio all hours and eating awful food, you know. It soon, <laughs> when you're not young anymore, it soon begins to spread. So I, I just began running from the studio, um, and all I could manage really was like 15 minutes. Did that four times a week, and now I'm I'm running marathons. I've just finished my fourth marathon. So well, good for you. Yeah, I really got the bug. So it's great. Okay, for the the marathoners out there, which marathon and what was your time? Okay, I just I just finished London Marathon. Yeah. And I was dressed as, now we call him Wally, as in where's Wally? But I think you call him Waldo. Yeah, where's Waldo, they call it here. Yeah, so I was raising money for a charity called Compassion um, for one of their projects, which was called Water for Life, which was basically raising money for water filters. Um so, but I actually got my best time at three fifty-two. So, um, yeah, I was pleased with that. The other marathon I run is in Snowdonia, which isn't a flat marathon. It's it's a it's a really basically Snowdon is a mountain. So you basically run twenty-six miles around a mountain. So there's some serious hills and elevations in that one. That's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> All good fun though. But now this keeps you in shape for all your music then. Yeah, I certainly, I, yeah. My music, my life, my family. Yeah, it just keeps me in a good place, you know? Well, talking about your music, at the start of the interview, I described your music as being EDM, but is that yeah. too confining for you? I think a little, although, I mean, when, when I first started out, sort of in the very early 90s, um, it was either house music, trans music, or um, back in there was jungle music or drum and bass, which I I found that very confining, even in in the 90s. And I've always been fairly eclectic in my music tastes generally across the board, but also within uh, electronic music, I like all sorts. Um, So I found that labeling quite restrictive. So I always said I just produced and composed electronic music and that's what I liked because that gave me more freedom to kind of play what I wanted and write and produce what I wanted to write. So I guess EDM kind of sums that up as well because, you know, obviously it stands for electronic dance music. So so that kind of cover a big window, you know. Yeah, yeah. Your debut album, Exodus, that released back in 2002. I mean, that was a huge success. But were you surprised at the response? Uh, I was a, a little surprised i think i'd been working through the 90s um in a an outfit called hydro we did a few records and then another outfit drum and bass outfit called trip we did one record and 
so this was kind of my first solo project and um i'd been working on stuff for quite some time and the actual album took um it was probably a couple of years i got signed to emi in north america in in 2000 because uh electronic dance music was beginning really to become commercial there so a lot of labels were signing up djs and and i was um fortunate enough to be one of those so we started work on that but it, it wasn't released till 2002 so it was a long process and I think with anything that takes that long and is a journey of pain as well because it was frustrating <laughs> at times you know there's a lot of depth that goes into the music and a lot of soul so in that sense I think it's a, a really good record that it carries a, a lot of depth to it and I guess the big success for it was more the licensing with films and you know things like the matrix and the italian job back then in in the early sort of noughties and that was the real success that then opened up doors to sort of playing bigger clubs and bigger venues and people i guess hearing about my name and about the music so like everything i, I guess all the stars aligned when it was released it was the right timing for that kind of genre that kind of sound, uh, and people jumped on it, which was brilliant. Well, when you mentioned about those films, of course, you even uh, scored a movie called Expelled. But yeah. were those uh, film affiliations something that you were searching for? No, not at all at the time. You know, I just loved my DJing. I loved being out, meeting people, uh, playing shows, really. That's, that's what I loved. And I've always found studio work and composing music uh, hard work. I have a lot of creativity that I want to express, but um, I, I find studio work quite hard work getting that music out. Um, but where I really come alive, if you like, is is when I'm in front of people playing. And so the whole movie thing never really was something that I was aiming towards. Um, it just happened. Uh, I think the first film that took one of my tracks was a uh, called uh, Ballistic. I think with um, Antonio Bandera, which was mm -hmm. a bit of a flop. But um, I remember the email coming through with a request, and it, and that was kind of an eye-opener then. Uh, and then obviously other films then and video games just followed suit. So it certainly wasn't something I was aiming for, but it was certainly a nice blessing in the sense of, I guess, finance as well, you know, that those certainly kept me going in terms of all the gigs and future albums as well. So that, that was all... That was all good. And of course, it would certainly broaden your fan base then, too. Yeah, definitely. And certainly, I think more than the films, I think getting your music into video games is because, you know, young people just play those video games over and over and they hear your music over and over. And then so many times I've had fans saying, oh, I heard your music first on, um, you know, Need for Speed or <laughs> Burnout or SSX Tricky or whatever it was. I think a lot of people get turned on to my music through that platform, whereas the film stuff is kind of over in a 30 seconds. And, you know, while you're watching a film, you're kind of, oh, that's cool music. But it's soon forgotten, if you see what I mean, because you're into the story, whereas video games, people are a bit more savvy there. That must be a little bit surreal if you were actually yourself playing one of these video games with your music in it. Yeah, it's a bit weird. I remember... Um, it was on a, a snowboarding game, um, one of the old ones, SSX3 or something, 
And uh, it was quite funny because they said, oh, can you do like a, a shout out? Can you phone this number? Uh, and there was like a answer phone machine. And they said, oh, can you leave a response on there? Uh, and then we'll put it in the game because it was like a radio. So I was playing the game because I was a bit of a gamer. And um, you've got all these cool like North Americans from bands like coming on going, oh, man, that's off the hook. And are you doing awesome and all this like sounding really cool and then i came on the the typical british like hello it's me andy hunter (laughs) you're doing an amazing job well done you come on beep boop you know real kind of typically british and just sounding like a geek uh and that was pretty embarrassing so all my mates laugh about that you're not telling me that you're stayed in conservative are you Oh, yeah, no, no, but I guess it's the accent, you know, after all these cool bands who have all these cool phrases and just sound cool. Well, certainly to us Brits, you know, you know I come on, I'm like, hello, <laughs> would you like a cup of tea? So, yeah, it was just it was kind of embarrassing, really. And, you know, for me to put on a voice would just sound wrong as well. So you just have to be yourself, and and that's what I was. But it was kind of funny. And my telephone voice is always quite unusual as well. It's always a bit on the down. So I have to remember to kind of be a bit more energetic. <laughs> well, let's get into your music. Andy, you sit in a really unusual position because you're creating electronic music with a strong Christian message. You know, the message is obvious on the songs that include vocals, but how does that carry through on instrumental numbers? Well, for me, it's like, I mean, it's like scoring a film. You know, you'll have a, a scene in a, a film that you have to interpret into the sounds and the mood of the music that you choose uh, to kind of serve the vision in front of you of that scene and, and how it develops, how the, the piece of music develops to, to what's developed on screen. So I, th- I think a lot of my music is inspired by what I read in the Bible or what I feel that that God is telling me. So um, I really take the same sort of procedure and outlook that I I take that feeling of that verse and interpret it in the in the sounds that I'm choosing to create and the feel of the music, how the music develops to really communicate the message of that verse without using lyrics is almost uh, interpreting it with creating an atmosphere, which certainly electronic music does very well and, and not always just the high energy stuff, but it, it's music that you can put on in your house there and, uh, and creates atmosphere. So um, I really kind of have that head on when, I, when I'm creating music is, yes, I use lyrics sometimes, but um, music is so much bigger than just lyrics. You can create atmospheres and moods and and feelings with with just the sounds that you're choosing and especially so with electronic music uh yeah uh, as well and because it's not in a sense you're not restricted to the typical song structure of a verse chorus verse chorus middle eight chorus chorus end um you can as some of my pieces are that they can be nine ten minutes long i guess like orchestral music that you can take people on a journey even in that one track that ebbs and flows and has different dynamics. Now, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. What about the church? Is it culturally relative in the arts? Uh, I think it's moving in that way. I think there's a lot of creative people within the church, a lot of artists 
within the church. I think the trouble is that just like the world, in a sense, we, we get stuck in a rut and traditions of how to do things and because really that's a lot less effort. So we have the same bands playing every Sunday and the speaker comes on and then it finishes and it's easier just to keep that rolling than kind of pushing the envelope and say, okay, who, who have we got? Who's a painter? Who's a DJ here? Who's a, um, someone who does theater or an actor or people who do sculptures? Uh, right. Let's get them involved on the Sunday morning. That's a lot more messy. And I think people like neat. So I think there's a lot of artists within the church, but they end up doing their art sort of outside of church life because that's where they have room to do that, which I think is, really sad I, I think church should be a place where the gifts that I feel that God has given us as Christians and as human beings should be able to be expressed when we get together you know because different mm -hmm. people uh, can connect to different art forms so I normally find generally speaking uh, obviously I'm generalizing that church sometimes is very one-dimensional uh, and we get steeped in tradition where really we should be expressing the colourful nature of God, which is many, many different arts, and um, that would be a very vibrant church if that was happening. Personally, I mean, I often find that the music aired on traditional Christian radio can be pretty stifled and boring. But does not the marketplace also dictate that too? Does not the industry want safe music? Yeah, well, the trouble is what we've had that, I was signed to the the journey really is I was signed to a major back in 2000 which was a a Christian company but also within the EMI bracket and it was good because they signed someone like me who's I guess on a bit more on the fringe a bit a very small artist really um but edgy I would say compared to your kind of middle of the road typical Christian music sure um but the industry at that point in terms of looking at the whole recording industry was quite flamboyant. So they had the extra money to kind of invest, I guess, into the more edgy artists. The trouble we've had, obviously, with the decline of the music industry and how records are sold is that these big record companies weren't flexible. So in a sense, the smaller artists got the elbow, like myself, and they just stay with safe, which is what they feel people are buying, which for the church, it is like your middle of the road, typical, you know, we all know it, that kind of sound. So they just keep signing bands with that kind of sound. And it's, I guess it's a circle and a treadmill that just keeps going and money gets pumped into marketing that kind of sound. So that's all that people hear within the church. So it's always never really progressing, I don't think. There's never something edgy. I mean, we have bands now at the moment having a stab at electronic music with your typical sort of Christian music. And mm -hmm. it's just coming off a bit twee because I don't think it's very authentic. Uh, it's just doing it because it's commercial right now um, in that sense. And it, it's still the same sort of vocal lines, still same sort of lyrics. And I, I feel it gets a little, a little tedious. Well, I guess really with the demise of so many of the record labels and bands just going back to being independent, that's the path that you've been following, has it not? Uh, yes. So I, I'm independent now, yeah. So I have a, a, a lot more freedom with my music. 
which I guess could be a real blessing then too. Yeah, I mean, there's there's different. There is a real blessing in in I can send my music wherever I want to. I can do film scores where in my first contract, if I'd wanted to do a film score, that would have got messy. But now I can choose what I want to do, and I can choose where my music goes. Uh, I think, I think the thing of a, being on a label or a good label, where maybe my weaknesses are, um, is having more of a team of people around you, uh, and also the marketing side of things, reaching out to a wider audience, which is quite tricky when you're just a solo artist. Um, you, you know, you remain with your faithful fans but it's trying to get your music out to a wider audience to attract more people to music. And, and that's quite difficult as an indie uh, artist. I would say that that's a tricky, you have to be quite smart in that area. And obviously things like social media helps, but still just getting your music out there and also, you know, finding interviews and when you've got a record coming out and, and that whole side of things having people who are in the know can really help you with that. So whether that's a label or management or whatever. Now doing electronic music, I, I mean, does this make you a technology geek? You know, is it the gear or the musician that creates the music? Um, that's a good question. I think with electronic music, I think a good song is a good song in, in a sense of um, if you strip back a song to just some chords and, a vocal line or chords and a melody line if it's good it's good um no matter what genre so there's definitely a sense of musicianship um but being techie helps with production side with electronics so you know how to get a certain sound that's unique that you're not just sort of using the presets on a synthesizer but you're actually digging in deep and creating original sounds that gives it your sound, the Andy Hunter sound, or whoever it is, their sound that you're digging, digging around, and that takes technical knowledge as well as musical knowledge. Um, so I, I would, for EDM, I, I'd definitely say it's it's both really. And with your songs, of course, you're creating this music, but you've also brought on quite a number of guest vocalists over the years, including you know Beth Bullock on Spiral. But when you're putting a song together, do you have someone in particular in mind for the vocals? Um, yeah, I do sometimes with people like um, Beth. I had her sing. She's normally an acoustic singer, songwriter, and um, she does amazing stuff. And I had her sing and thought oh, she'd sound great on a track. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I did start Spiral with definitely her in mind. Uh, and I'm also working on another tra- a new track at the moment, which Beth is doing the vocals on, um, which is sort of a similar kind of feel, because I feel that kind of sound uh, lends itself well to her sound. So I am certainly have them in mind when I do the track. The Antidote is in conversation with Andy Hunter. Andy, you've put many remixes together, you know, including a pair of tracks for Thousand Foot Crutch, but what's the attraction of doing a remix? Um, for me, I, I love remixing tracks that are just really good tracks. Um, so Thousand Foot Crutch, um, I love their songs. I, I kind of like that style of music and it lends itself really well to electronic music because it, it's got a lot of energy, a lot of aggro. And, and those remixes I did for TFK were just a, a real pleasure because the, like I say, a good song is a good song. 
So straight away you're coming up with ideas as soon as you hear the song. The production on those tracks is is just off the hook. So you you know it it's just like um it's just sounds sonically great. So you're kind of winning straight away in that sense. And it's just I just really enjoy remixes because you come out with something completely different. Huh. And it's the same. I've just done a, a remix for a, a band called Gunga, who I really, again, I really yeah. like their stuff. Right, just because right. they're, they're slightly different, you know, and they're just very organic. And again, the production on the way they recorded their music in the studio is just incredible. You know, you just hear little things on the piano, and almost like the hammer touching the strings and all that. Very organic. And I love all that. And again, it's a great song, so you just suddenly filled with good ideas. It gets harder when someone asks you to do a remix and you can't find much to remix on their work. You find it hard to find an angle. Um, so I normally listen to songs before I accept a remix. Do you ever find yourself driving along in your car, hearing something playing on the radio and visualizing yourself remixing it? Yeah, sometimes, you you know, you sort of get sounds like, oh, I could build that into a phrase. Like, again, coming about the TFK thing, I, I swap the arrangement around. So you have some of the mid mid eight sort of um, vocal lines coming in as an intro, as a bill. Uh, you know, I'll do things like that. Again, just not sticking to the format, just using what feels right, you know, and sounds good to switch it up a bit. So I hear things in music that I'm in the car and take, oh, that beat or that piano sound they've got there or riff would just, you could just do a whole new track out of that one riff. Here, I'm going to really put you on the spot. Here's a tough one. Could you ever choose three songs that define Anti-Hunter as a musician? Well, that, no, that is a tricky one. I know, I love hard questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to, well, I can give you some tracks that I'm really into at the moment. Yeah, tell me that. And I, I, I've always been into a band called um, Underworld. They did, um, they did kind of the, the opening score for the opening of the Olympics here in... Oh, I see. And uh, they did this one track called Caliban's Dream, and it had the lead vocalist from a band called the Two Door Cinema Club. Mm-hmm. So he was guesting on it, and it's kind of this 10-minute epic track and it has sort of children singing on it and whistling and but it's electronic it's really un- unusual but whenever i hear it it just gives me goosebumps it's just it's just beautiful it's just such a lovely track and underworld have kind of been a big influence really musically and and as they've, they've done an album which was everything everything which was back in the 90s which was just a live album of them live this one track that's called King of Snakes, and again, the energy that, that even on the CD, you feel the energy of the crowd, the energy of the, the night, and the energy of that track uh, is just fabulous. Um, that's a big one for me. Um, another band that I went to see gig-wise, show-wise, that again blew me away uh, would be uh, Sigaross. Oh, yes. And I, I, me and my wife went to see them down in uh, Brixton in London, and... Again, it was just awesome, just like unbelievable, like the whole show and the sounds that they use and the production and the way they write their music and the way the arrangements are just killer and it just takes you on a journey. So I love music like that that's 
it's not necessarily one song that you can point out, but it's again, it's it's a journey, you know. And I love albums. I guess that's why I'm a DJ because it's a similar thing where it's not necessarily one track, but it's it's a feeling and it's a it's a journey of ebb and flow, you know. So that band is 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 really good. Oh yeah, went to see them play in Toronto, and it was fabulous. I've been a fan for quite a while. People again disagree with me because I'm very opinionated, but I said that's the best band of the last century. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just they're so different and innovative. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I love their albums, but just seeing them live was just... I, I was surprised that it kind of came in at my best ever gig. Wow. I wasn't expecting that kind of experience, you know? That's something. But it was awesome. And then I also really like um, Muse as a rocker. Muse are just that, the way, again, their arrangements and sounds and energy that they capture and songs are just genius. So not many electronic bands in that list. Well, Underworld are. So, <laughs> but like I say, I'm eclectic, you know, and I, I guess I let that um, inspire me as well. Well, this show is very eclectic. But what about with your own songs? Any particular ones that you have that you've put together that really stand out for you? I guess things that really kind of hit home for me i mean i love from exodus the ones that stick out there would be um show Mm -hmm. um just because for the for that album for me that was the question going back to my faith you know that the whole book is inspired by obviously the book exodus and basically moses's journey with god and his journey with in his life and um there's that point where he says to god you know show me your glory and God honoured him and said, I'll let my glory go by you. And, and I've always lived my life with that question, you know, show me your glory. And so I think that track on Exodus for me kind of sums up who I am, my question, where I want to go with God, you know. Um, so that was cool. Hmm. Um, life, I liked Alive with um, Christina Glass. That's a pretty song. I just like the feel of that. Love that one. Um, in color, I really like Miracle. Uh, I sampled my son's heartbeat while he was in the womb. Oh my! So th- at the start, you have a, and that's that's my son's heartbeat. That's what that is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then you actually have my wife's heartbeat in there, kind of, because obviously babies' heartbeats are like double as fast. They're like whoa, 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 really quick. Exactly. To my wife's heartbeat that's kind of half time go wah, wah, wah. so that made up some of the sounds in in miracle so i like that because of that and and the guy i was working with there daniel he tours with uh dizzy rascal i don't know if he's big over there um he's like a hip-hop guy over here but um yeah so so that was all good uh in color i like that one and i think spiral from latest from glow Mm-hmm. I like that and Raining Sunshine I liked from Collide because you have put out a wealth of work yeah I mean some people would say they want more from me but you can only go as quick as the inspiration really in your production and what about that you got any future plans for recording yeah well I am I'm, I'm working on this new track called Harmony with Beth uh, I'm undecided really Again, it, it boils down to how things work with the industry. You know, do I release a full album? Do I release an EP? Do I release just a single? 
see, most fans will say, I'll release an album, but then they get frustrated with the waiting, you know, and to do an album takes minimum for me a year. So I think when it boils down to it, people nowadays just want singles, you know, they just want them fast and out and collect them and, and buying albums is, is a dying thing, I think. Which is sad as an artist because an album kind of sums up where you're at at that stage, a body of work, rather than just a single track. Because on an album, I get to do my ambient, as I get to do slightly quirky stuff, and then more of the straight kind of song-based tracks as well. So you get to kind of flex your, your art in, in that sense. But I think the way things are going where people just want singles... You're always having to kind of try and write those singles rather than a body of work. I'm a bit undecided, really, where I'm, I'm working on this track at the moment, but uh, a little undecided. But I know what you mean about uh, singles, because they can often just be a flash in the pan. Yeah. Because you are. You're doing it to market it to people. Yeah. But yeah, I couldn't agree more, because that's sort of where you start to stifle your own artistry. Yeah. So, it's a job, but I've also got this project I've been working on for the last two, three years called um, Presence. Well, tell us about that. Um, well, it's it's a lot more chilled out. Basically, what it is is trying. We spoke earlier on the arts uh, within church, and it's basically sort of recognizing that there's so many artists who believe in God, who express their faith through their art form. And, and really, there's not many outlets that are allowing them to express that. Um, so really, Presence was a project put together where I'd take verses from the Bible. And for me as a musician, I'd write a piece of music inspired to that verse. But I'm also working with poets who are writing poetry inspired by that verse. Mm. Uh, a video guy based out of L.A. who's doing a lot of film to each verse and music again inspired what's inspired him as an artist by that verse and what God is saying and really putting it together as a collection of chapters really rather than an album and tracks it's basically 10 verses from the bible that all kind of this art hangs from those verses if you see what I mean Um, so I'm looking to release that maybe in the autumn I've already I finished the music last year over the last six months, I've been also doing a presence sessions, which is where I'm going around playing the music with all the video and the poetry coming in and out as a kind of an hour's session of meditation and devotion. It's not like a concert or a DJ where it's all high energy, but literally people come and just chill out, lie on the floor. It's just space for people to take time out and really focus on God or... Um, just spend that time with all that art. So it sounds like you really are a musical innovator. Or would would you consider yourself a musical innovator? Uh, I guess so. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of just do what scratches the itch and what I think of, you know. I, think, <laughs> um, I, I get bored quite easy. I like changing stuff up. Um, the trouble with that sometimes is because you are an innovator, people don't fully understand what you do. And then just as people are starting to understand, you move on to something else that then you have to keep explaining because people don't understand it. So that is the journey I've been on for the last 20 years, really. The Antidote's been joined tonight by Andy Hunter, all the way from the UK, just special to come and talk to us tonight. Andy, really appreciate you coming on. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. 
Yeah, no, no, I've enjoyed it. Thanks for a great interview. <laughs>